0: Good morning. Welcome this morning to Milestone Church. My name is Chris. I'm the campus pastor here at Milestone McKinney and I'm so thrilled that you've joined us this morning. Just as Katie said, we know each and every week it's someone's first time. And so if this is your first time this morning, I haven't had an opportunity to meet you. I look forward to meeting you after service. Well, we are in a series called Promises, and today we're going to be talking about an area that is so important to all of us. But I just want to highlight that video uh, at the first service. I kind of am able to compose myself a little bit more now at the second service because I've already gone through it a couple of times. But I mean, I'm like, it's not fair. You throw that up right before I get up here. I mean, first service, I'm like getting choked up, and, and it's because that's what's so important to all of us. Whether you have children or not, maybe you'll have children one day. That's what we want, is we want our kids to be in an environment where they begin to own their own relationship with Jesus. And when God begins to work and move in that way, it's something significant. And that's why we prioritize it. That's why we encourage you to prioritize it, because something happens... When young people get in an environment like that. And so our middle school students that were there, they're here this morning. They just got back. They were at at BOTS this past weekend. That was highlighting some of the things that happened with our high school students that were there last weekend. And I'm just telling you, God's doing something significant in the lives of young people. And so I'm excited about how he's working, how he's moving, and what the future holds for them. And God has promises for them just like he has for us, in fact, we've been looking in this whole series about promises that look into God's word, and that His promises are yes and amen. We've we've been talking about as we're in this series, which is a unique series. It's a little different, maybe, than ones that we've done before. We've we've got a guide. Uh, we we have opportunities for you to get into a group, and so take this journey together with other people. And we're hearing so many amazing stories about what's happening in small group. But what we're doing is we're looking at this principle and this aspect of promise. Now, promise is something that we understand. We we kind of connect with that word. But when you look in the Bible, the biblical word for promise is covenant. That that God is a promise-making, promise-keeping God. Can I tell you, His track record is pretty good. He is faithful to do what He said He will do. And so I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles Genesis chapter 28, but before we get there, we're going to look at, at Matthew 19. Because today what I want to do is, is as we look at this promise, this isn't false human excitement. This is understanding God's word and his promise for our life. What, what does that look like? How do, we, uh, how do we apply that? And What I want to talk to you about today is really the area of life that we really care about the most. It's the thing that's most important to us. But I want to highlight three things. I've been thinking about this, praying for you. Uh, Just There's three areas, and I don't think they're all-encompassing, but three areas that I think that really can be threats to this area of our life that, that really matters the most to us, and that's our family. It's our family. And so we're going to dive into God's Word and look and see what His Word says about those promises. You know, you think about promises this past week. There was a lot of promises that were experienced in our house. You know, I shared with you last week, you know, obviously it was Super Bowl Sunday. I told you we're just looking for the good food, right? If it's a good game, awesome. Happened to be a good game. I did have some good food. I'm not real big on like, you know, chicken wings just because they're too small, like, I gotta eat like 35 of them. It's like, what? It's just too much work, not enough food, all right? But I will say, and I didn't bring a picture, lest you all get jealous or run out of here because you, like, I need to eat something. I probably had the best chicken wings I ever had in my life last weekend uh, watching the Super Bowl. So the, the promise of good food was fulfilled. Valentine's. We had Valentine's on Monday, and, and I had celebrated with Wendy earlier on the Friday before. So I get home, I take my three little girls on a little date for Valentine. We get there, and I, I get them. I have a little gift for them, and then we leave. And as you should do as a dad with little girls, we had pizza and ice cream for Valentine. So we had that moment and had that time. It was awesome. But this is ongoing promise that my kids want me to commit to. I'm just not ready. I'm, I'm not there. They firmly believe that we need another dog. I don't agree. I don't think they're ready for that. I'm not ready for that. But the problem is, Wendy's not on board with me. We're not. We're working on it. Y'all pray for your pastor. Wendy and I aren't in unity about it just yet. Because Wendy not only believes we need another dog, she thinks we need probably two other dogs, a couple of goats, and a miniature pony. I'm not sure why she thinks They need a miniature pony? Where does it? So all you that are into like land and goats and chicken, just let me know. I'm going to send Winnie and the girls to your house, and that will just help me out. That's how you can bless your pastor. We're just going to like, I'm going to send them there, and they'll get their goat miniature pony fixed, and it'll be good. So I said, instead of a dog, I got a better idea. We're out. We had dropped Camden off uh, for bots. She left. So we're downtown. We're shopping. And I said, look, we go into this store. I said, I got a better idea. Instead of, instead of a dog, how about a puzzle? You, you, you get, I'm tired of that. Like, you get started. My head hurts. I don't want to do it. You just leave it there. I don't got to feed it. I don't have to. i have nothing. If I don't like it, I just pick it up. I throw it in the box, put it away, put it in a closet. I can't do that with a dog. So I said, How about a puzzle? So we got a puzzle. Now, when you think about puzzles, you get a puzzle, and they tend to give you this picture. I don't know. We went way, our faith must have been real high in this moment. We've kind of lingered around the 300, top end, 500 puzzle piece. We went full on 1,000 pieces. They're about this big. I'm like, what are we doing? I need a magnifying glass to see what's on there, and I got good vision. I mean, what is happening? So we went full on. Our faith was high, 1,000-piece puzzle. You can imagine what it's about, furry woodland creatures and wild. Flowers. I mean, this is what my life is, right? So, we're doing this puzzle. And when you get a puzzle, they give you a little picture, right? Here's what it's supposed to look like. Okay? So, I'm going to follow that picture and I'm going to try and put this puzzle together. There's a pattern and a way that this should work because when it does, all the pieces fit together and now I have this beautiful picture. You see, that's what God's word is to us and for us when it comes to family. There's a pattern. There's a picture that we have, and we're going to look at God's Word. In fact, we're going to look at the words of Jesus first in Matthew 19. Because in Matthew 19, Jesus is having a conversation with the Pharisees. The Pharisees are trying to trick him catch him in a, in a position to see what his thought is about family and, and about marriage. And, and what Jesus does in this moment is he quotes the words of God in Genesis. Now, as I read this to you, you're going to recognize these words because this is what we read in Genesis when God talks about family. It's also what Paul references in Ephesians 5 when he talks about family. And here's the words of Jesus, Matthew chapter 19, verse 5. It says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Right here is God's pattern for family. Joining together. I mean, you think about that aspect oneness. When we do, Wendy and I will do a lot of premarital counseling. We do a lot of marriage counseling, and where we always start is this here is the goal, here is the end result, here's what we're moving toward oneness. Not who's right, not who has less baggage in the relationship. Not who's got the more domineering personality or who's more vocal or who's more outgoing. It's oneness because that's what God desires. Now, when you think about that principle of oneness, you know God's got to be in it. Because you're taking two different people from two different backgrounds with two different experiences, which, with two different cultural experiences, with two different preferences. I mean, you think and bringing them together and going, I want you to be one. Only God can help you with that. Can I tell you something? Because I know, for me, I'm like, hey, you know, Wendy laughs. Like, I got I like a little, like when it comes to decoration thing, I got a little modern feel. Kind of, Wendy's like, what? It's like a straight sofa. It's like uncomfortable and it's flat. Like, she's like, can we throw a zebra skin on the wall? And I want a bead. I mean, I kid you not. We had a bead curtain in our first house. Where do you get it? What? What? What are we doing? Like, really? I mean, she's just a full-on, just kind of little hips, you know, hippie kind of touch, you know, just kind of like eclectic. And I'm uh, But you begin to kind of figure it out along the way, right? And you kind of come up with your own little flow. Because why? Oneness is the goal. But can I tell you you have an enemy, and his enemy wants this enemy wants to bring division? The devil wants to bring separation. He wants you to be wounded and upset and hurt and bitter and not have the conversations that you need to have and not dialogue and not forgive and not open up and not begin to prefer one another. But God has a pattern and His pattern is oneness. It's joining together. That's how God works. That's what His preference is. That's what His heart is. You know, these last few years have been so challenging. And yes, they've been challenging because we've had this global pandemic and it's challenging from a medical standpoint, but can I tell you what it's really heightened? It is highlighted that we have a relational epidemic. There's an epidemic in how we interact and how we converse and how we dialogue and how we engage with one another on a relational level. And what happens is we're just trying to stay afloat, so we get a lot of vision. If you've been around any type of leadership environment or, or, or you're owning your own business or you work in any kind of leadership role in any capacity, you understand vision and you understand the importance of vision. But here's the challenge is we have so much vision for so many other things. I've got a vision for my next vacation. I've got a vision for what I want to do here. I've got a vision for my upward mobility. I've got a vision for the next uh, raise I want to get or the next promotion. I've got, vi- got a vision for all these things. But really what we need a vision for is for our family. What's the vision for our marriage? What's the vision for our children? What's the vision for what God has? And God's word talks so much about the vision he has for this particular area. Of life. Family. In fact, we're going to look at this umbrella covenant that we've been talking about. It's the covenant that God made to Abraham. And I'm going to give you just kind of this picture. Remember, God meets with Abraham and says, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. In fact, God shows up. To Abraham when he's 75 years old and makes a commitment and a covenant with him. And then fulfills that in his son being born. He says, you are going to be a blessing. Your, Your generations, right? your lineage, your children will be more than the stars in the sky. 75 years old. And we read about that. How in, in, in Hebrews and in Romans, he did not look and despise his own body. He, didn't, he wasn't going, oh, well, I'm just going to ignore the reality. It says that his faith was strengthened because he knew that if God said it, God would do it. And sure enough, 25 years later, God did it. Can you imagine? I know some of you in here. You're like, you're going to start over, have a child at 100 years old? You know what I mean? If you're, in, It's amazing how that we go through seasons of life. You're like, I'm 30. I'm not where I thought I would be. I'm not where I wanted to be. I'm 40. What am I doing with my life? I'm 50. I'm Try to be 75, and you're just getting started, and then boom, by the being, 100 years old, you got your child. You want to talk about, oh, my gosh, you know? Some of you living in that right now, you're like, less of that. I don't want that. At 100. And he has a child. His name's Isaac. And Isaac, now, he begins to embrace this covenant. Why? Because Abraham, he instructs Isaac about this covenant, how to live, how to build family, what this should look like, what oneness should be. And in the same hand, now... He enters into it, and then Isaac has a son. His name's Jacob, and he teaches Jacob this covenant. He receives the covenant instructions from Isaac, and he enters into the same covenant. Now, I know what you may be thinking. Well, I mean, you don't know my family, Pastor Chris. We got problems. Let me just tell you, I don't have time, but if I were to go into this, these folk got problems. I mean, all sorts of stuff. Let me tell you something. They ain't making Hallmark movies about these people. Okay, this would be like, you know, R-rated stuff. I ain't lying about some of this stuff in here, okay? you should be like, we can't watch that. I mean, they had some issues, yet at the end of the day, they may not have been perfect, but they said, we're going to stand on what God's promise and pattern is for our life and for our family, and we're going to do the best that we can, and we're going to move forward. You see, here's what happens. God always works off of pattern and promises. There's a pattern for marriage, There's a pattern for family that God lines out and when that happens, when we understand that and we embrace that, what we begin to realize is this, is there's a generational transfer that happens. That's really what we want. That's what you see modeled here. From one generation to the next to the next, there's a generational transfer. And that's what we want. It's one thing for us. You heard in that story. My mom and dad, they went to church, but my mom was praying and believing that we would own our own relationship with Jesus. And one of the sons does, and the other son, they're believing for their oldest sister. And then finally, what happens? This moment where she gives her life to the Lord at BOTS last weekend in front of everyone there. And they get to pray together. A significant moment. It's generational. And what we're going to look at in Genesis 28 is a conversation that Jacob... Now the, the, the grandson of Abraham is having with God. And he's going, look, I want to live out this covenant, but I'm having a hard time. What do I do? How do I navigate this? Like, can this actually happen? And watch the conversation here in Genesis 28, starting in verse 13. It says, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. Look at this covenant language. He's like, hey, if I did it for them, I'll do it for you, Jacob. I did it for Abraham. I did it for Isaac. I'm going to do it for you. There's this covenant language that's being used here that God's using. He says, I'll give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south, And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. What is he doing? He is reiterating the promise he made to his grandfather Abraham. That's what he's saying. Again, I did it for him. I'm going to do it for you. But there's a pattern I want you to follow. There's a way in which I want you to live this out. Verse 15. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not... Get this right here. This is so good. I've been as I'm preparing, praying for you. I just keep coming back to this part of this verse right here. It says, I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. I mean, that right there, that I mean, you want to talk about circle, highlight. Tattoo that on your forehead, sticky notes on your bathroom mirror. That is God's promise. It's not, it hadn't happened, but he won't leave you. He's going to do it. Young person, you're in the middle of a situation going, why does it look the way it looks? Why are my parents bickering? Why did this have to happen? Why that? I will not leave you. I will do what I promised. Mom and dad, why are my kids acting like they've lost all their home training? And what is going on? I mean, I just may kill them, but I'm holding on that I'm going to have grandkids. So I'm not going to kill them so I can have grandkids one day. Like, what are we doing here? Like, what? I'm holding on to that. My marriage isn't going the way I want it. We're fighting and bickering more than we ever have before. You hold on. God's promise God's promise. You see, here's what's so unique about this. Jacob, his name actually means deceiver. Jacob was so used to manipulating. What God's saying is you don't have to manipulate. You see, that's what happens. We spend so much time, how do I control the situation? How do I win the argument? How do I make this happen? And you manipulate. When in reality, if you just step back, you can't control it to begin with. If you would just stop a minute and trust God and see that he's working and moving on your behalf, how do I know that? Well, look what happens, verse 16. It says, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. God is working, I promise you, in your marriage and in your family, you're not aware of it. But God's asking you, will you partner and participate with me to see my promise come to pass in your marriage And in your family, we have to participate. He's inviting us. He wants to speak to you today. And my hope and my prayer for you is that you walk away encouraged, full of hope, that you may be in the most challenging, dark place in your family, but there's hope for the future. There's hope. You see, Paul is even referencing this in Romans 4. Romans 4 is talking about this promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the, gen- the, 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 the general overarching theme of Romans 4 is this. Hold on. Hold on. When you can't do anything else, just hold on. Why is that so significant? Because here's why. God's part is to stay faithful to His promise. Our part is to hold on to the promise. I, I read this story, saw this story, and it helped me kind of visualize this principle of holding on. There was a, a dad in Australia with his nine-year-old daughter. They got caught in a flood. Now, when I lived in Louisiana, southeast Louisiana, flooding was, was something that happened often. And it was always, you know, stay away from the floodwaters. And you're thinking, oh, it's just a couple inches. I can drive through. And before you know it, there's people all the time, vehicles get swept away. This father sees this flood coming. He knows we ain't going to be able to get out. And so he takes a rope that he had in his car, and he ties it around his daughter. I've got an 11-year-old daughter. I have a 9-year-old daughter. I can't imagine being stuck with my 9 or 11-year-old or even my 7-year-old and thinking, i got to tie a rope because I don't want to lose them. And they get out of the vehicle, and they make their way to a tree. And they get on this tree. Snakes are coming everywhere. He's trying to, like, swat snakes away. I mean, he's in Australia. Everything in Australia kills you. Okay? I mean, it's like he's just holding on for dear life. Two days, they're up in a tree. Two days. The water finally goes back down. They walk to a farm. They get help. Can I tell you, that's how some of you feel in your family and your marriage right now. It's a flood. And can I tell you, just keep holding on. Tie yourself around that tree. Tie yourself around that old rugged cross. And you just hold on with everything inside of you. Don't let go and know that God's promises are yes and amen. You go, Pastor Chris, is that even like biblical? Like, hold on. That sounds like you just kind of like football coach. Just rah, rah, cheer us up. Yeah, let's look at what the writer of Hebrews says. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. My God in heaven. I mean, it, between this and... And what we just read in Genesis, he ain't going to leave you. He's going to do what he promised. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Sometimes that's all you can do. But just know as you hold on, he who promised, he's faithful. Can I tell you, those of you having, you're in here and you're having challenges in your marriage, hold on. You feel like your spouse doesn't understand you and they don't get it. Typically, when there's marriage friction and fractures, most of the time, one spouse doesn't think it's as big of a deal as the other. And I just want you to know, if it's a big deal to you spouse, your husband's not trying or your wife's not trying to just minimize it, they don't see it as big of a deal as you. Just hold on to hope. And just know... Husband or wife that you're bumping along and you keep seemingly arguing about the same thing. You think it's no big deal. to deal with itself. It ain't going to deal with itself. But you better hold on because you're going to have to engage in conversations and work through it. Single mom, you're in here and you're thinking, I didn't sign up for life to be like this. This is not what I thought. Can I tell you? Hold on. God has something great in store for you. It may be another husband and another spouse in a different season. I love it. I see it often. When I see couples that maybe their first marriages didn't work out and then they get married and God uses it in a mighty and significant way. And now you have this blended family. I'm just telling you, don't settle. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on, mom, dad, you have a kid. They're a wayward child, and you're thinking, I raised them in the right home. I told them all the stuff. I got them to buy. Pastor Chris said, get them in that environment. I got them to elevate. But they're acting like they've just full-on lost their mind, and they're running as fast away from God as I can even keep up with. Hold on. God's faithful. He who promised will do it. You hold on. But here's what begins to happen. is As we begin to hold on and we look for that, it can be challenging and it can be difficult, but what happens is I want to highlight just over the next few minutes I think three threats to the promises that we have for our family. You see, there are things that come in and they oppose us. Here's why. Because what we do not realize is the culture and the world that we live in is caustic to what's important to us. When you look up the word caustic, It actually has to do with like corrosion and erosion. In fact, if you were to look and say you were in in some type of facility and and they were trying to get your attention to be aware of the chemicals of things in that room, you'd probably see something like a hand with like a a beaker with a chemical on it and you know a hole in the hand because it's burning away. Can I tell you? That's what that's what culture in this world is trying to do to what's important to you when it comes to family to erode and corrode, and you don't even realize it. It's caustic to what's important to us. And so the only path forward is to be aware. What are those things? There's a little picture I like to give oftentimes when I'm talking to people, and and they're becoming aware of the things in their life that are really kind of trying to torpedo their relationship with God, their relationship with those that they love, their, their marriage and it's this picture. If, if you had a home and all the doors are locked and everything, every other window is locked, but the window in the back bedroom is open and a burglar comes in. Does that burglar just have access to that one bedroom? No. They got access to the whole house. And you think you've got all the front door, back door, and the main entrance is buttoned up, but you got a window open in the back of your house. And the enemy's not going, oh, they didn't know what was going on. Sneaking in and threatening the very thing that's most important to you. So what are those things? Because we can't win the battle if we don't know what they are. Well, here's the first thing. Here's the first thing I think that, that hinders us. It's a threat to family and to the things that are most important to us. It's prioritizing the wrong things. I want to share with you something that's, that's a concern to me because I walk with people. I've, we've walked with people, Wendy and I, for over 20 years. And it's not just a concern to me as a pastor. It really is just as a Christian. Why? Because we don't realize we live in a world that does not foster the things that matter most to us. It, 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 they come against, and, and our culture doesn't push us towards prioritizing family in our life, it, it just doesn't it, it pushes us to prioritizing other things, now I want you to hear, don't hear what I'm not saying, because even as I say this, you can automatically start going, to, oh here's Presbyterian, you're going to talk to me about, you know, my kid being in this sport or that sport, and travel this and travel that, or my, my, my lake house my this and that, and he just wants me to be in church every single Sunday, no, 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 no. I want you to understand the significance of the word that I chose here prioritizing our problem isn't the things that we have. Oftentimes, our problem is the priority in which we give it. And what happens is we say, I want family to be priority number one. I want, But we're doing everything else opposite of that. I'm too busy to, to, to be engaged here. I'm too busy to be in that environment. I'm too busy to get my kid here. I'm too busy to do. Then you're too busy. Well, Pastor Chris, are you just saying I should? No, no, no. I'm not saying like. Go live in a cardboard box and just, you know, bread and water for the rest of your life. I'm saying, you're saying I want family to be priority. But your actions and what the world is telling you is completely different. So we have to do one of two things. Either one, family really isn't a priority. And if that's where you're at, okay, well then at least we know what we're working with. That's more of a heart issue than a, a, a scheduling issue. Or it is, but you're just not realizing how when I... Don't prioritize or prioritize the right things. It's a threat to the very thing that's most important to me. You see, what we have to remember is family is a relational fabric. It's relational. It's it's it, There's an interaction. And when it's relational, that means there has to be deposits. But what happens is a lot of us are making withdrawals from our spouse. We're making withdrawals from our relationship with our kids. And we don't realize we're not putting a deposit in and we're... we're we're overcharged. We've got insufficient funds and we wonder, why am I experiencing these things in my marriage? Why am I experiencing these things with my children? Why are we not connecting? Why are we not able to kind of get on the same page? Well, you go, okay, well then what do you want me to hold on to, Pastor Chris? Here's what I want you to hold on to. I want you to hold on to an authentic faith in Jesus. Why? Because the only way to really prioritize what we need to prioritize The only way to really focus on the things that we should is with the help of Jesus. I need him to help me to think about others first, to put him first. I know that sounds weird, like I need Jesus to help me put him first. Yeah, I can't do it in my own strength. I can't do it in my own workings. And when I have an authentic relationship with Jesus, can I tell you what it produces? An authentic relationship with those we love. Your children, mom and dad, are not looking for you to be perfect. They're looking for you to be authentic. Be real. You make a mistake, hey, own your mistake. I repent, I apologize. See, some of us, so we grew up in the context of do as I say, not as I do. Terrible advice. And we wonder, why do I have trust issues with my kid? I can't trust my kid and my kid doesn't trust me. Because we are living out something different than what we are saying. But when we're authentic, we own our shortcomings. We own that we're working on things. We own that we need to get better. And we begin to do those things. And it's genuine because there's an authentic faith in relationship with Jesus. Those we love and love the most see that. And it gives hope. Here's the other thing is you got to hold on to the Word. If you're going to prioritize i got to hold on to this word right here. You hear me say it all the time. I don't take this word and apply it to my life like a medicine cabinet. I apply my life to this word. And because I am the clay, he is the potter. My life now molds around, wraps around what this word says. This word dictates. I stand under this word, not over it, determining what I'm going to pull out of it and what I'm not. I hold on to the word. I hold on to the word. And then here's the last thing. is I hold on to environments that promote spiritual growth. In your family, when you hold on to those environments, what you're doing is you. Let me just tell you this, moms and dads, young people in here. Before you get married, as you get married, even with your spouse or your future spouse, what you treat as optional. Your kids will treat as obsolete. So every time there's an opportunity to be a part of something or an environment that's going to help them grow and take next steps, you treat it as optional, whether you realize it or not. You know what your kids will do? Don't need it. Obsolete. Not important. And then you wake up one day and you go, how did I get here? That's how. You didn't intend to. You didn't want to. But that was the byproduct of what happens when we don't prioritize the right thing. It's a threat. It's a threat. But we don't have to allow it. To hinder us from what God wants to do in our life. Here's the second thing. Relying on our feelings. Relying on our feelings will be a threat to your family. Do not. Re- feelings are so powerful. But here's the thing. You can, you can be here on a Sunday morning and you like the information and you're excited. And you're like, well, he was okay today. He was really kind of funny today. He was I take it or leave it. I mean, he had one or two good things to say. It was pretty good. I took a picture on one of them slides. But other than that, it was, you know, take it or leave it. It's not about the information I give you. It's not about the information that you consume. It's, is it a revelation in your life? You see, revelation will transcend your feelings. You see, feelings are powerful, but they're not reliable. They're not dependable. They're fickle. God gave you emotions. He gave you feelings. They're not the, be- they're not the enemy. But we shouldn't be led by our feelings and emotions. We shouldn't be ruled by our feelings and emotions. That's what Paul's talking about here in Romans chapter eight, verse five. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the fle- on what the flesh desires, but those who live according to with the spirit, accord- in accordance with the spirit, have their minds set on what the spirit desires. That's why for bots, I mean, you want to talk about feelings, middle school, high school students? I mean, just raging feelings and emotions. It's all over. They just, they just come out. They don't even mean to. It just happens. That's okay. But that's why we put them in an environment like bots because we go, we're going to flood them with vision. God's vision for their life. And they get a vision of knowing who God says they are and who they are in Christ. And they go, I'm moving towards that vision. I may have all these feelings. That's okay. But I know how to respond to them because I got a vision that I'm moving towards. And who God says I am and what he's called me to be and what I'm looking for in my marriage and my future spouse and in my family. That's what I'm moving towards. That's why that's so important, and we want it for you, too. Don't think, oh, well, well I, is there a botch for adults? Yeah, Sunday morning service in small groups, okay? <laughs> there you go. There you go, all right? Just take next steps. Grow. That's, that's the key and the importance because here's what happens. I talk to people so often, culture, the cultural narrative, be happy. Be happy. I just want you to be I want my kids to be happy. I want my husband to be happy. I want to be happy. Happy? You, you don't pursue happiness. I love Wendy. She is amazing. She's the life of the party. And I full well on know that any environment I walk into, the first thing people are going to ask me is Wendy and the girls here, they don't care if I'm there. They want to know, is my wife there? That, I'm just the tag along. I'm the accessory. I hold her bag. That's good. I'm good with it. Okay? I'm fine. But can I tell you, no one pushes my buttons like Wendy, and no one pushes her buttons like me. She's not there to make me happy, and I'm not there to make her happy. My happiness is not, I'm not pursuing happiness. I'm looking for joy, and my joy is found in Jesus, period, which then out of that allows me to not be ruled by feelings, that no matter the circumstance or situation, no matter what we may go through, no matter what we may face, we're going to hold on because we're going to be led by the Spirit. You want to know why? Because in family and in marriage, nothing will test the authenticity of your faith like a family. You put yourself in an environment where, like, you give, you'll lay over train tracks, and they just reject you. I mean, they just give you the cold shoulder. Co- kid, I mean, they're in a bad mood. Man, them teenagers, boy, that just, I mean, you know, you make your wife mad. I mean, she burn a hole right through the side of your head. No one can push your buttons. Like, they, can. they know you inside out, good, bad, and ugly. I mean, nothing. But God will use the family context. It's not going to be happiness that's going to get you through that. Can I tell you? It's what Paul said. It's the Spirit of God. When I focus on the Spirit, I'm feeding the Spirit, not flesh, not happiness. What do I feel in the moment? No, 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 the Spirit. Because what I feel in the moment is, I'm done with all that. And that's why we see what happens when there's so many divorces. And again, if you've experienced that in your life, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not speaking condemnation over that. Okay? Or do you? But that's the context that we live in within society and culture. I ain't happy. Moving on. Done. Feelings are a threat to family. They're a threat to family. So what do we hold on to? We hold on to putting the desire of the spirit ahead of our feelings. And we hold on to the character of Christ being formed in you. That's what it is. It's not about perfection. It's about becoming more like Jesus and growing in those character traits. That he modeled for us. That's what we hold on to. And here's the third thing. The third thread is promoting personal preference. Now this is so unique because we live in the most personally customized culture in history. You think about it. If you don't believe me, go turn on your TV when you get home today. Everybody got their own profile. You even got your own little picture next to your profile. Netflix, my kids gave me a rhino, I don't know what that means, or why, like, why am I a rhino, what happened, you know, Disney, I'm like, I gotta be cooler now, I'm gonna be like Boba Fett or something, I don't know, Skywalker, you know, I don't know, customization, customization. That's, that's how we live. That's what we look at. But I was reminded of, of days gone by. This, this is what my childhood looked like. And some of you relate to this from the wise words of El Royo, a Mexican food restaurant in Austin, Texas. Say, so you think you know stress? When I was a kid, if you missed a TV show, you just missed it forever. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Growing pains, TGIF, Fridays. If it, I missed it, it's gone. I gotta wait till it ends up on the TV network and I'm running, you know, reruns. Now it's like I just download it, stream it, watch it when I want, watch it again. I can't you know, it. will start pulling what I like to watch. it start here, based on you watching this, you'd like this and you'd like this. Customization. And it's all about preference. It's about me. It's about what do I want and what do I like. But here's the thing. Nothing in family works by starting with what's in it for me. Nothing in family will work if that's where we start. Paul writes in Philippians chapter two, verse three through four, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. You see, peace in your home isn't possible when everyone's looking out for their own interest. It's what brings tension and division. Will you allow the Lord to speak to you? Will you ask God, God, what can I do to serve others? Find ways to connect with your children. I remember hearing this. This is such good wisdom I received years ago. And it said this. It said, don't bring your kids along with what you're passionate about. If you're into biking or hunting or working out or knitting or whatever, don't bring your kids along to that. Find out what your kids are into. And be the foremost authority in that. But here's the problem with that. Because if you got three little girls, you all know what they're into, they're into crafts. And I hate crafts. <laughs> they're into glitter. I despise glitter. Flames and glitter is what is in hell. All 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 over. That's all it's that's all it's full of. I hate it. They in the mess. Stuff every I don't like that. Put stuff where it belongs. It's got a home. You don't find that home and give it a home, and that home is going to be the trash can. I don't like. But you know what? I like my kid. Can- I want to find out what are you into. I want to grow my relationship with you. You're into art. I want to hear about that. I want to see those things. You're into dancing. You're into pets. You're into doing nails. All right. Well, we gotta get. We gotta have some boundaries a little bit. We'll do nails every now and again. Okay. Not as frequently as you want. Okay. The other day, Wendy told me, she said, babe, I'm going to schedule a girl's trip to England and go look at English cottage. I said, hold up, are you voting me off the island? Like, what's going on? She's like, well, you don't like that stuff. I said, no, I don't. Weeds and a shack in the middle of another country sounds terrible to me. But I'm into you, so I'll go look at that because that's what you like. But so much of it is about personal preference will erode what you're actually trying to build in your marriage and in your family. We don't realize it. So what do you hold on to? You hold on to preferring others above yourself. And you hold on to loving others the way they receive love. You say, Pastor Chris, man, this is, I mean, it's pretty basic. I mean, come on, is it? I mean, I was coming for like just some deep revelational word. But we're not really winning where it may be basic. That's why this is so important. Because this is what matters to us. This is what's most important to us. The question is, are we, are we winning there? You've you, you got to start first with, what, what can I do? What, what can I own? How do I, how do I work through this? And I want to give you hope today. I want to pray for you. But I don't just want to pray for you. I also want to make it very practical for you. So, you may be in a season and a situation now in your family. Things are challenging. You're not sure how to navigate it. We want to help you. We want to help you with that. In fact, I'm going to put a number on the screen. And you can just simply text the word family to this number. There's going to be a link in there. You can click. And there's two particular ways that we want to be able to help you. First is this, biblical counseling. If you're saying, I'm navigating something, my marriage, my family, my kids, my teenager, whatever it may be. I heard an amazing story this past week of a a family at 301 at Keller. The dad wanted his kid to get plugged into elevate. Kid goes to, to elevate. Dad goes to 301. Earlier this week on Monday night, the father gave his life to the Lord at 301. I got a text last night. His son that he wanted to get plugged into Elevate went to BOTS for the very first time. Really didn't know many people. Gave his life to the Lord this past weekend. A dad and a son, same week, giving their life to Jesus. We want to help you win where it matters most. But here's the second thing, and this is for all of us. Freedom. We have small groups called Freedom that are going to begin in May. Some of you have been through it. Some of you haven't. But it's a nine-week. Small group that's centered around walking in freedom from the things that really hold us back and keep us from winning where it matters most of the areas, the things that are eroding our marriages, our family, our relationships And can I tell you all of us, myself included all it takes is just a little bit of indifference and a little bit of us not recognizing what's really going on that we look up one day and go how did I get here and everything that we wanted seems to implode because the devil's no respecter of ignorance and he's not going oh they didn't know the back window was open so I'm just gonna come in and just hang out in that room he's gonna try and steal kill and destroy the entire home but we don't have to let